0: Are you ready for another round? that was Welcome
1: back to Rallan's Rant, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Jackson Galaxy, who is a cat behaviorist and is also probably better known as the host of the well-known TV show called My Cat from Hell. Jackson has also written several books about cats and how people can better understand them or get best bang for the buck out of the cat that they have around the house. So thanks a million for coming on, Jackson. And firstly, how are you today?
0: I'm wonderful, man. I mean, I from what I understand, better than Dublin, <laughs> Los Angeles. It's like I'm flaunting the sunshine, right now. No, but it's it's nice today.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear. Well, a lot of my guests, when I have them on, I sometimes do a deeper delve into their childhood. But you've spoken publicly about the influences you had when you were a child, like you grew up in New York in a in a Jewish Jewish family setting, and you stated like on the record that like you were, you are still, but at that time you were kind of an artsy and creative person. But like, did that, did that come from your parents' influence and like what was around you at the time? Or was it just, you were nearly like a ball to the yeah, sky? I was
0: the black sheep, man. I was the black yeah. sheep. I like, uh, I think everyone was hoping for like the doctor lawyer type of vibe and, and uh, out I came. And I know from, at the time, I was really young. I knew that uh, I had a, a, an area of the world that I felt good in, and it was uh, music or writing or you know those kinds of things. Just, uh, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just a crazy little imaginative hellion, and uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty much, you know, I was the kid who like dad would like take away my guitar when I was failing out of school, you know, and I would just find a way to pick the lock and that kind of thing. (laughs) Good.
1: And similar to myself, like I'm quite a a music heavy guy myself. I'm not going to turn around the screen, but like I've got a a Fender bass and Fender Malibu acoustic in the corner. But you've said also that like when you were growing up, as you said, you needed a space because you, like we're sometimes anxious around social settings and a lot of people tend to gravitate towards the creative side and that's where they find they can flourish mm-hmm. and kind of express themselves in a way that maybe other situations don't allow. So like at that stage, as you were saying, where you wanted to be a rock star and whatnot, as as my dream was as well at one stage, like how important was that for you to have that creative outlet? Because like even I know now you're a, a, a well-established like kind of author and cat behaviors, but at that stage, how how important was that for kind of showcasing your personality and finding something that you loved? Yeah,
0: it was everything. I mean, literally everything. I mean without without discovering songwriting, I honestly, I oh don't man, I would have been in a lot of trouble. I was already in trouble. But I mean I I think that, you know, everybody should have that feeling once in their life of going Oh, yeah, this is why I'm here, you know, yeah. and i didn't even care at the time about playing the songs to other people. you know it was just it was just a home base for me um and it's odd how i and i'm not the only one I, I've met other people like this who you know you put me on stage in front of however many people, and i'm home like i'm cool. You put me at a cocktail party and tell me to mingle you will find me either in the bathroom or behind the bar or something. Like mm. I just can't, I, it's, it's a really hard, if I don't have a job to do, I'm just uh pretty lost, but, um, but I was always comfortable on stage. It was kind of a home.
1: Nice. And then at what stage, because ultimately your, your love for animals was kind of established in a, dogs and cats home but surely there must have come a stage and i know now like even if you anyone who watches my cat from hell you're you've got a guitar case that isn't exactly film filled with a an acoustic or an electric guitar within it (laughs) but as you say grew out of your teens and college and everything else that life throws at you in your 20s at at what stage did the relationship with animals begin to not so much take center stage because I'm sure the aspirations to be a rock star remain, maybe even remain still to this day, but at what stage did that side of your life around animals, around cats, did that kind of start taking its, its foothold in your life?
0: I think it was, I mean, when I, I I mean, honestly, I did, it didn't really, it was something that was maybe there, but didn't uh, manifest until, I got a job at an animal shelter. I mean, and really it was just, you know, I was trying to be a working musician, which meant that I was, you know, eating ramen every night and I just needed to pay the bills. And there was an opening and I took it. And then, I mean, it was very quickly after that, that I didn't, it wasn't me. It was, you know you know, how the animals just sort of pick you Mm. and they're just like, I, you know, whatever it is, I'm vibing with that. So I, I would be stupid to, to turn away from it. And yeah, they lived in tandem for a very long time. It wasn't until the show came out that I officially didn't have the bandwidth to pursue the other side, you know, the music. So, um, which was a pretty ironic thing because I think at the top of the show it was like, "I'm Jackson Galaxy, musician by night, cat <laughs> behaviors by day." You know, and then within a month of being on that show, it was out of the question. You know, six okay. day weeks and twelve hour days. You know, so.
1: And how did the? Because I tried to do a bit of digging, but I couldn't really find us As in, like, how did the we all like? People are familiar with the dog whisper, but like cat whisper, it's a bit more left field. Well, it's kind of not so much as forbidden now. It's quite common, but at the time it yeah. wasn't really known. So like, yeah. how did that, who, who came to you? Was it you came to TV studios? Like, how did that manifest itself?
0: No, it was a pretty organic thing. I mean, I moved to LA and literally just moved here to be at the water. Because I had lived like 15 years in the mountains and I was done. Mm. And uh, and within a couple of weeks, I was with a friend of mine uh, at a pet store and they were having an adoption day. And I just started talking to the people who uh, were doing the adoptions and just giving them some ideas about how to calm the cats because they were kind of freaked out. And, uh, and he was watching me do it. and Because everybody in this town seems to be connected in some way to entertainment, you could see, he was just like, Oh, mm. this should be a show. And, you know, I don't, I didn't realize it until later in life that it just happened too easily. Like yeah. it was meet this person, meet that person. And <coughs> next thing I know, production company does it. We do a sizzle animal plan. was like, yeah, we're in. And that was it. Um, of course they let us sink or swim that first season. I think the the first season had three or four episodes and they were just basically like, okay, this is like, you know, like the cat shaped spaghetti we're throwing against the wall (laughs) and if it sticks, it sticks. And, uh, but it stuck, you know? So yeah, I was really lucky the way that happened. I wasn't looking for it. That's for sure.
1: Hmm. And at that time, it's like with everything in life, the, jackson galaxy right now could teach the jackson galaxy say a 20 a lifetime of lessons both animal related and not but like when that show started at season one like did you have all the answers to all the problems you'd get and maybe it might have been a bit more controlled because you had maybe only a few cats to deal with but like were you were you the finished article from a cat expert at that stage
0: Oh, no. I mean, look, I had already been practicing my, I was in practice, you know, I I was in the shelter for 10 years, uh, then went out on my own and started building that. But I mean, at that point I'd done, you know, whatever it was, 20 years of of that work. But, um, but, you know, we were, we were purposefully picking some cases that were, completely shoulder shrugging to me and wanting to really document the discovery of of solutions. Um and there were a few men where I was sweating it out till <laughs> the end. Like there was one house, the couple went away on on holiday and I said, Look, I'll house it for you. Like I'm I just gotta live in your house for a couple of days. I I didn't know what the hell I was doing with this cat. <laughs> and uh and but it worked you know sleeping over there it just really worked i mean I, it took a while for me to trust first of all to trust tv that they were going to portray i mean they already named the show my cat from hell i was freaking mortified <laughs> you're on the back foot uh, immediately I, I mean it was just so just galling <laughs> to me that like we would do that and i was going to lose all my street cred with cat people and uh And then to trust that they would tell the story well. Um, And until I became a producer on the show, I think on the third season, I was just always scared, you know? Mm. And, uh, and then there's, you know, filming cats, which is not easy. You know, (laughs) now it's a lot easier because uh, as creators, we can have a much smaller footprint. But back then there's like a dozen people in these people's house and huge cameras and, and whatever. And it was, we would spend half a day waiting the cat out, you know, to come out from under the bed yeah. whatever, you know? So <laughs> it was a lot of discovery. And, um, but I think the thing that's really amazing about working specifically with cats is that there is a lot of mystery surrounding them. There are mm. things we just don't know. And I love the fact that like, I'm still in a position where even if I'm presented as an authority, where I'm still a student of this animal, and I always will be. So it keeps you right sized, you know, when yeah. it comes to the stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say it would have been well over ten years ago. I was, I was fortunate enough to have a, a feline in the the family house <clears throat> with the rest of my family. We also had a dog, and then we also had that African grey bird parrot along the way as well. So we had quite a okay. quite a tropical upbringing when it came to animals, but. <laughs> with the with cats in particular there's a people i speak to and i'm like pretty much a 50/50 divide when it comes to cats and dogs some people are like ultra dogs not cats and vice versa yeah. but the general consensus whenever i speak to anyone or else i hear anyone on the topic of cats is they're they're lacking affection or else they're a lot more hesitant to come over to you like even today i saw potentially a feral cat i don't know if it was a, a house cat or not and i tried to tempt it over and it just kind of shrugged its shoulders walked and continued on with day yeah. but yeah they're kind of they're a bit tougher than dogs dogs you can just throw a stick at them and they'll jump and love you 100 no question yeah. but with cats they're a bit more calculated or at least that's how i portray it so like when it comes to DNA or your understanding of that, like why are cats not so much, well, they're a bit hesitant there. You need to earn their respect and earn their love a little bit more
0: than dogs. It's because they're, they're not domesticated animals. I mean, we're still on that journey with them. You know, I mean, we have a long story with, with cats just as long as we have with dogs, but with dogs from, from (laughs) word go, we were like, you will be my friend and you will do jobs for me and you will look to me for everything like I'm the moon and the sun and we selectively bred dogs over thousands of years to do just that. And cats, we left them alone. They were like we we were more like co-workers you know, on the farms and whatever and they controlled the, the the rodent population and we were just happy to have them around. So by and large we... In terms of their domestication, we we left it alone. And they basically domesticated themselves over time. You know, they were just like, Man, the good food is in there. You know, yeah. the, the warmth is in there. And then uh, slowly we just started to see them more as as companions. But if you think about the timeline, if you think about the fact that, you know, cats have or the ancestors of cats have been around for a couple of million years and then as they got divided into what we now can recognize as the as the seven sort of subspecies then uh that would be a couple thousand I uh, don't know more than over 12,000 years since we've dim- since we have proof of their cohabitation with with humans and if you think about when we said okay you're a pet i don't know mid to late uh 1800s you know really not until after the industrial revolution so with that said it's like this tiny little drop in the bucket Mm. and yet we still expect them to act like dogs and i think that's the problem like when we call them something like hesitant or calculating we do that because we're looking at them through the lens of a dog yeah you know like They're like a failed dog. And, uh, you know, I think that that's that's where everything starts to fall down. Because you've seen, like on my show, people like assume that the cat pukes on your bed, that it was, you know, a deliberate act of sabotage. That it was like, you know, I remember having this conversation with one of the clients insisting to her. That there's there's no <laughs> that there's no such thing as revenge puke like it it's not something that they will do you know and uh and I think because we look at them and there's still mystery, if we're having a bad day, then it goes right to them. we just project all of that onto that you know blank canvas um and I think that's been a like a big sort of focus of my work over the years
1: yeah, no interest and <clears throat> one thing. And I'm not going to make this a a dog v. cat show. Don't worry. I don't want it to either. No,
0: but, I was going to tell you, at some point we could get interrupted because my dog could start barking. Yeah, so
1: just. It wouldn't be the first time we've had plenty of pets in, intrude. So yeah. it's, uh, it's welcome. But with regards to cats, and the one thing I liked, because this was, say, when I was in school and just leaving school, when I had the cat was the independence. So a dog, if... I was to let a dog run outside our gate. I would fear the worst while a cat, it's kind of a mutual agreement where it's like, nod, see ya. Might be back in an hour, might be back in 10 hours. You might come back with a rash. You might come back with scratches. You don't know. And trust me, my cat had all of them at different stages along the way. But I also know, and a few of the, a few of my followers who were getting onto me once they knew you were coming on, some of them like domesticate their cats and they, maybe keep the cat inside the whole time. And then I know plenty of people who own cats who, as I said, allow them do their thing. Is there any, like, not so much responsibilities, but say responses cats have to being treated in those two separate manners where number one, they can go out and hunt and get to see the world around them as opposed to being confined to their house or apartment or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, though, because there's two different models. I mean, here in the States, it's kind of... Indoor cats are pretty much the norm. Yeah. Um, Which I'm all for because it's a dangerous world out there and uh, so many things are conspiring to to kill them. Plus, they have a terrible rap that they're killing every bird on the planet. (laughs) They're enemy number one. So, uh, you know, by and large, I'll, I'll... advocate for that but with that said that doesn't mean that they're a piece of furniture i mean you have to enrich their lives you know to sort of make up for it and that's why i'm always telling people to play with their cats or to provide you know stimulation uh i mean behind me you can see this the beginning of it anyway we have a huge catio out here and you know my cats are out there quite a bit and there's plenty of bugs that come in. And they hunt and that kind of thing. Does it replace that sort of natural confidence they get from being out there? No, but I think it's a it's a safe um, alternative as long as we enrich their lives. So I, I I think there's room for both of them. But it's really funny when I first started. I mean, we're talking like the you know the late 90s, let's say. And I would get on these chat boards for cats and just try to put myself out there so people yeah. knew who I was and I would start advocating for, for uh, indoor cats, people outside the U S were like, that is cruel. Like what is wrong with you? You know? Um, and uh, so I always knew there was a divide and there will always be a debate around indoor outdoor. But um, like I said, I, I, there's a, there are distinct advantages to being able to wander and there's distinct disadvantages. I mean, the lifespan of an indoor outdoor cat is markedly lower than uh, that of an indoor cat. And so that's kind of the trade off that's sort of inherent in that situation. <coughs> yeah.
1: And it, that's, that's kind of why it's interesting. So in Ireland, even though the weather's absolutely brutal six months a year, you'd, you'd see, you'd pretty much, as long as you're not living out in the, the countryside, you'll see a cat every day. Uh, walking the streets yeah. or sitting on a car or We're- whatever it may be so i'm i'm just i don't know the exact data but like you do see a lot of cats that are let loose so to speak and when it comes to the as i said today whether it was even a house cat or a feral cat as I said in my life I, I come across them on a weekly basis if not daily basis and yeah. I still chance my arm with both maybe a big cat's looking at me who's never seen the inside of a house and I'll, I'll still chance my arm to try to try and present yeah, myself yeah. as a as an option for a pet but maybe not so much physically more so mentally like I know they have to be domesticated and it might be a, an already answered question on my behalf but like what is the key difference between a house cat and a feral cat and then also a follow-up to that is like how can you bridge that gap with the feral cat because i know plenty of people who brought in a feral cat and day by day week by week domesticated it, and now have that as a pet
0: yeah but i mean that's a crapshoot you know what i mean (laughs) like I, i think there are you know If you're okay with having a house feral, then, you know, all power to you. Uh, We've had cats in this house that no matter what you do and however many years, they're still not going to be touched. That's just who they are. And there is a distinct difference. I mean, cats, by the time they're about nine weeks old, they have been, they have this intense period of socialization and learning. And they're either going to socialize with other cats or humans. And by about nine, 12 weeks old, that stuff is formed mm. and you're already behind the eight ball a little bit. If you want to really have it now, I mean, I know that there are plenty of people who spend a lot of time socializing uh, ferals. And again, I got no issue with that. I, 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 I like the wild part of them, and I think it's a shame sometimes to to try to make them into somebody else if that's not who they are. Um, you know, we are already you know down the road of like cats becoming more like dogs because you know the acclimated survive, you know so um, we're already there, but I I would love for people to to advocate for street cats as who they are. You know, I mean, I talk a lot about how, you know, there is no difference between the the cat in your lap and the cat outside that window in terms of your, you know, the love that you can show them the responsibility and stewardship. You can show them it just, you show it differently. And, you know, we have such a, and I don't know in Ireland, if it's as bad as it is here, but we have a, epidemic when it comes to uh, feral cats and uh we're trying our best uh, around the world really mm. to control population <laughs> through tnr trap neuter return um but it's an uphill battle and we need like everybody in every community to say okay i'm going to do what it takes to make sure this cat has a better life and a better life just means you know spaying and neutering them putting them back out into the community where they live and monitoring them and making sure that if they're injured or sick, that you're going to trap them again, you're going to take care of them. But that to me is a solid balance because like I said, I can trap two 10 week old kittens. One of them tames the other one, not a chance, you know, it's just, there's no proof at all whether it's a, you know, like a DNA thing. There's really no proof of that at all. But we do know that if you had a house cat who was dumped outside within a very short amount of time, they begin to find their sea legs, so to speak, when it comes to living out there. Um, Mm So yeah, another one of those mysteries.
1: Yeah. And with, with say your work, the, my cat from house of grace, kind of opportunity for people like myself or back in the day my dad used to be forced to watch it cuz he's not not a huge cat fan but I used to <laughs> rile him up yeah. by forcing him to watch it for an hour but right. <laughs> with the with say your work there's obviously going to be cats and you've even alluded to this already that just you're not so much confused by you just don't have the answer to, and it's just like with humans. Sometimes you can't fix the problem, or sometimes you just have to respect what they are and just kind of move on. Does yeah. do you have that mindset? So if you can't fix a cat, and or even if it's maybe a personal cat who you come in to, you're like, oh, I kind of want to train this sun moss. Are you very much like I'll do what I can, but if I can't do what I set out to do, I don't necessarily see it as a failure, or do you? actually take it as a failure
0: no that's a great question i mean i i mean the first thing that anybody who watches my show knows this is that by and large the humans play a pretty outsized role in the problem so i'm there almost as a family therapist before (laughs) anything else uh and try to sort of establish lines of communication but you know where i may not walk away from something quote-unquote, fixing it to, to the satisfaction of the humans in the house, I, the one thing I feel like I can take pride in is that, and I've worked with tens of thousands of cats, I don't think I've ever left somewhere with them not feeling a little better about life, whether they follow through with actions that we want them to take or behaviors we want them to take, at least I made it, better for them in the long run. And that's the one thing, like I, my first responsibility is to them. My second responsibility is to you and also to sort of manage your expectations. Cause again, it's, you know, the dog colored glasses thing, man. I, I, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, you know, you were saying before, you know, you're a 50, 50 person. So am I. And I don't, yeah, I I call it being bipetual and like <laughs> I really think that everybody should experience it. Like the the that energy yin yang that these two represent it is something that people shouldn't miss out on. I never got the whole cat dog, like I'm a cat person, I'm a dog person. Yeah. I I still don't, you know. Um but anyway, I I I think that um the cats but thank me even if the humans didn't <laughs> put it that way fair enough and with
1: the with the dog and cat kind of competition conundrum. that's going on, the conundrum competition whatever way you wanted to frame it I, I know, ple- well not plenty I know a fair few people who have both in the house and yeah. in the same house that is and I've also heard of one or two instances where they had to get rid of one or the other because they just simply couldn't get the two to gel in the house. There was just that friction or territorial kind of manifestation that they could never solve. So in your eyes, like, and I believe you've got, you've got both in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Like what are some of the things? Cause I even know I was chatting last week to someone who wants to bring in a dog to a cat house like, what are some of the not so much the triggers, but like the things to be really aware of to make sure that the two of them live in harmony? If possible, yeah. Well, I
0: mean, on one side, it, I think the dogs get a pass constantly. <laughs> and if your training isn't up to snuff, like if that dog can't sit and stay while a dog, while a cat walks through the room, then you got to get back to the basics because you're asking that cat to trust the situation, but then you can't cash the check. You know what I mean? And, and dog needs to be able to chill if we expect them to, to coexist. And as long as we do the introduction and I have this long sort of, you know, uh, method for doing it and we keep cashing the check, we keep, you know, they can make contact and the cat always leaves it going, well, oh, that was Okay you know, then they'll be okay. Um, there are certain dogs that just have a built-in prey drive that I wouldn't match up those guys. Now, I'm sure, like, people who are listening to this are going to hear this and they're going to be like, you know what? You're absolutely, like, a speciesist, but, <laughs> I would, you know, dogs like huskies? Man, yeah, I wouldn't have a husky around a cat. No more mm-hmm. than, you know, I, I mean, I if they've got a high prey drive to begin with, then I would just at least be really careful. But um, but the other thing that cats have that dogs don't is that cats own the sky. Yeah, Cats yeah. can always get away as long as we give them that ability. And they can look down at the dogs <laughs> literally and figuratively like, all right, that's fine. You can hang out down there. Uh, the other thing you have to watch out for, I mean, cats are – we know they're intensely territorial. And if dogs are threatening the resources, like dog walks over and starts snarfing down the cat's food every time food goes down or, you know, dogs like to snack on the litter box, you know? And if they're in there, like, you know, they put their nose in there every time the cat goes in, then we also have problems. So, I mean, I think that there are basic things you take care of, But the assumption that they won't get along is like harkening back to, like, you know, Looney Tunes cartoons. I mean, it's just like, well, like, cats and dogs are born enemies. They're not. It's just they have different motivations and different sort of lines in the sand. Like, you know, uh, I I think, you know, it's funny. We also have a a house chicken. Okay. Um, We have a chicken. A
1: trifecta. She lives...
0: (laughs) yeah she she lives like you know she has a coop outside but she comes in at night and she runs the house like she'll walk (laughs) in the room two pound chicken she walks in the house and she just does this like thing and dogs and cats just scatter you know you got to assert that like you own the place but uh but like i said i i would you know the thing that you can always do if you're not sure you have cats and you're not sure if you want a dog in the house, foster a dog you know any shelter would be like over the moon to have another foster parent. It's a short situation you get to practice your introductions and uh, and see how your cat is and it goes the other way as well you know foster cats they would need it desperately
1: yeah and one thing I do want to ask about the life of an animal and this can include dogs as well one of the dogs I look after on a weekly basis is coming up to 15 it's a golden retriever and I even remember back when my cat was getting on in age like, what are some of the things, and I'm trying to think this now, it's kind of, <laughs> I compared my dad to the golden retriever last week, being like, when I came oh, to visit he him. Was <laughs> <with it. laughs> he was thrilled with that. He was, yeah, he saw the bright side of the, the backhanded compliment, I suppose. Yeah. Or insult. Yeah. insult. But <laughs> he was saying that he's no longer the spring chicken he once was. But with would say cats and even dogs as well, when they get past that age where they are physically in decline i still see so many owners chasing that dream that they're still that seven-year-old or four-year-old dog or cat uh, that is full of energy but like is there anything that is known about either of these animals that when they approach maybe the last six twelve months of their time like does their mentality change does their enthusiasm or even affection or anything like that change towards the tail end of their life
0: Yeah, another great question i mean i i we have to look at it through the lens of you know what i hope your dad's not going through it at the moment but <laughs> I, I, you know we as humans suffer dementia animals do as well uh we get creaky animals do as well um we uh we we are subject to a lot of diseases that cats are, and dogs are as well. And I think the one thing you add into it is like for with cats, for instance, I mean, they are predators. We know that, but they're also prey animals. So when they start to feel like, you know, uh, uh, vulnerable, then you might see a change in personality where they may be a little more hidden or a little more guarded, But the other thing is that those physical symptoms can come on so quick Mm. where suddenly you realize, Hey man, my cat's near blind or deaf. Yeah. And again, that sort of threat assessment that they have, like, okay, I'm, I'm in trouble, uh, can manifest in a lot of different, uh, behaviors, but we've made so many amazing gains in, uh, animal geriatric medical care Uh, I mean, in the past 10 years alone, they can live longer, healthier lives. And I think that the the thing I would tell people is don't assume that they get to a certain place and you're like, okay, well, it's time. Invest a little bit into the knowledge and into the care um, and they're living longer lives and happier lives I mean, you know, we know things that we apply to human Alzheimer's patients, uh, from a cognitive standpoint that if you apply it to the animals, same result, you know, you give them puzzles to solve on a daily basis. It keeps the mind sharp. If you, you know, if you have a cat who you play with and obviously it looks different when they're older, but again, that sort of connection with their primal self keeps them sharp, um, And then when it comes to, I mean, you know, both dog and cat in my life, and we've lost a lot of our guys over the last three, four years. And, you know, towards the end of a a number of their lives, cat and dog, acupuncture was a huge benefit. Uh, Physical therapy was a huge benefit. Um, I have a video on my channel about uh, that I would use to take my dog for hydrotherapy where, you know, they get into a pool and they have a treadmill extended her life by a couple of years, you know, um, because she had hip dysplasia, but it just kept her strong. And, you know, it's just remember it's out there, you know, I mean, is it expensive? Yeah. But you know, that's part of the deal I think that we make with them, but uh, life can still be really good for them. We just have to take a closer look at it.
1: Yeah. No, well said. And I suppose one of the last things I want to ask is, and you've kind of alluded to it there, like it's the same with yourself. It's the same with me, same with my dad, same with every animal on planet Earth. There comes a time where, you know, we take our last breath, but specifically talking about animals, uh, it can be it can be tough to, you know, say goodbye for the last time. And it's not so much maybe advice because like how – people deal with certain animals and certain instances can be more traumatic than the previous one, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what, if you have any advice or even tips to people who, you know, lose an animal that has been part of the family for, you know, a decade or 15 years, or it could be yeah, a cat. Yeah. Like uh, what, what advice do you have with that grieving process? Because it can be a week long, it could be a year long, it could go on forever.
0: Like what's the... Yeah. To be and it's, first of all, I, uh, I teach with a grief counselor. We have um, we, we, we've taught it a number of times, different elements of grieving in animals. And the first concept that we make sure people understand is the concept of disenfranchised grief, that the idea that y- your feelings of loss are less than in the eyes of the culture who doesn't have animals, because it's not like it's a human who died, you know? So aren't you over it yet? I mean, it's been three days, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So because the grieving process isn't even acknowledged or respected, we tend to get even more inward about it. And I think just as it is with humans, the more you talk about it, the more you go into it, the, the, more that you can actually grieve because that's what you're doing. You know, it's that, that uh, not public, but that sort of process of being out loud about it, that's grieving, you know? Um, And to that end, you know, number one, having rituals around the death itself, I think is if you're given that luxury to me, was a life changer, you know, having the euthanasia done at home, um, in the, the space that they know and love, being able to set up the space, have the people around and the animals around that want to be with the animal. And, and you know, down to, you know, are you going to say a prayer? And what does that look like? Are you going to have music on? What does that look like? It's, it really makes it feel like the event that it is. The second thing I would say is just like with, with grief of a uh, human or animal, the idea of it, you, know, you, you alluded to it, you said it can go on the rest of your life. And what I've learned, because we have lost a lot, like I was adding it up during our last class a few weeks ago. And at, from like the beginning of 21 to now, human and animal, we've lost 11 in this household alone. And it's devastating unless you recognize that your goal is not to get over it. Your goal is to incorporate life and death is to, Mm. it's just a moment that you recognize you cry. If you want to, you look at pictures, you reminisce for a second and that becomes a part of your life. And I think anyone who thinks they can, as my wonderful uh, co-presenter says, get to the top of grief mountain is delusional, you know? And uh, so we need to respect it, respect the process, respect, you know, it's hard, man. People who have animal companions, we have to get used to the fact that, they live shorter lives that they they will will most likely lose them and we have to have tools you know to um to have that incorporation happen but i guess that at the end of the day long long answer but at the end of the day <clears throat> we need to feel okay saying you know, even if this is not understood by others who don't have animals, this is real. This loss is real, and this loss is something that—I mean—I've lost animals in my life that I felt stronger with than some of the humans I've lost, and that, that you have that deeply ingrained thing that goes, "Well, that's just messed up." <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that just that shouldn't be, but. You know, my longest uh, cat relationship or any, you know what? Any relationship uh, Mm -hmm. was uh, a cat named Valoria who died uh, just a few years back. And she was 26, which means that she was with me for half my life. And if I didn't have a rock solid relationship with her, I'm never going to have one. You know what I mean? So when she left me, I mean... God knows, man, I was so grateful to have had that kind of a unique time span with somebody. But those days that follow and the years that follow, it's just like it. trying to imagine your life without that being in your life is just surreal sometimes. But I'm lucky, man, because, you know, she's on the cover of my book with me when I do my live tour. Her story is part of the story that I tell. Um, so she lives on and I'm lucky for that. Nice words. Well, pop. And yeah, I hope
1: people listening to that can take something from that. Um, as it happens I hope so too. And, yeah. and
0: and there are, you know, uh, pet loss support groups and therapists don't think twice, man, if you're suffering, then, you can help to relieve that suffering. Um, and, uh, and it's okay to tell the rest of the world if they don't get it to like, screw off, you know, this is like, this is real. And, and, you know, making it into less than even if they're well-meaning family members we're like, oh, I just want him to stop suffering. No, this is part of it,
1: you know? So, yeah. No, here, here to that. And Jackson, how I normally finish these just for the last minute or two is with a quick fire round. So it's a bit more oh. light hearted. Um, but yeah, so I just ask you a few questions, whatever first comes to the brain, uh, feel free to go. So, easy one to start. What is your favorite film of all time?
0: Favorite film? I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, it's a toss up because it's hard, man. It's hard. But the one that I always stick with is, um, ah, God, there was a toss-up. But okay, but the one I'm going to go with right now is it's a film called Wings of Desire. Uh, it's uh, from the German filmmaker uh, Wim Wenders. They did a, a, a Hollywood version of it called City of Angels, I think. And uh, okay. But the original is beautiful and uh, and the most amazing love story ever put on camera. So that's that.
1: I'll be sure to uh, keep an eye on us and watch it one day with next one. So your favorite music lyric of all time.
0: Oh man, that's really freaking hard. (laughs) Okay. No, here it is, man. This is the first one I always think of. Um, Tough though, man. Uh, Tom Waits uh, from the album heart attack and vine. Uh, he has a song called Ruby's Arms, which is just this beautiful, like, you know, someone sneaking off to end a relationship in the middle of the night, this like wanderers. And he starts the song with the line, I will leave behind all of the clothes that I wore when I was with you, which I just think is just a beautiful, even though <laughs> he's kind of an asshole because he's just walking <laughs> away. But it's you know, it's it's a it's one of those the thing that I always have to struggle with as a writer is I say too much. You know you fill up all the space with words. Yeah. And letting things breathe, I think, is something that I uh that I'm always admirable of, you know. Yeah, no, that is a great lyric. It says it all without saying a lot. Yeah.
1: And so this one is what we ask everyone, and people do debate it. But what is the worst? Cleaning the dishes, Hoovering the house, or changing the bed sheets?
0: Oh, uh, I totally go with the sheets because yeah, it's a popular pick. <laughs> in all honesty, like, <laughs> and especially when you add a duvet cover, because. <laughs> I still have not figured that out, man. No. And it makes me feel like a complete moron every time I try <laughs> to do it. And then there's like, the you know, you pull over one side and the other one pops off. And oh, it's a I keep feeling like an a 18-year-old doing it for the first time. And, you know, I'm 57 years old, man. I still can't make a bed right. So I would pick that only because it makes me feel like a moron, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What was the funniest or strangest thing you experienced while shooting my cat from hell? That might not necessarily the, the, have helped oh, I said,
0: Uh The strangest thing. Uh, whew, you know, there was a lot of strange things. Um, I think the strangest thing was the woman who had this cat. and I'm trying to remember his name. But he was, speaking of older cat, he was like 15 years old. And she, you know, she presented herself as this new agey, like she was a sound (laughs) therapist and like, you know, she would like ring bells and whatever. And, but she had no tolerance for this cat and he wasn't doing anything. He was like, (laughs) everyone in the neighborhood loved him. He would sit on the porch and like, you know, Hey kids, you know, as everyone walked by, everyone loved him. But her boyfriend had gotten the cat from an ex-girlfriend. And so she said every time she looked at the cat, she saw the (laughs) X. And so she went and gone. So I kept solving problems, and she'd come up with new ones. So the end beat of the show, I said to her, so are we good? Are you keeping the cat? And she goes, yeah, I'm keeping the cat. And I said, no, for real, because me and six other crew members here will take him because we really (laughs) dig him. So if you don't – and she says, no, you know, I care about my boyfriend – I care about the, it fed me a line because when the sh- when the show premiered um, and I'll never forget this, it was like a holiday weekend. So it was like a three day weekend and the show comes out on a f- Thursday, I guess. And, and someone wrote in, uh, actually she wrote on Facebook. She goes, yeah, the show I'm in premiered tonight. and, Someone writes in, she goes, what a lovely cat. And I'm so glad things worked out. How's he doing? And she goes, well, you have to ask my, my mother-in-law because she took him. <laughs> and all of a sudden there was this avalanche that started happening where people, her Facebook was flamed as was her Instagram. <laughs> she shut down. People somehow found her phone number. Wow. She was public enemy number one to the point where I had to post and say, Yeah. You guys, you're being, you're being crazy. Just, I get it, but chill out. And I, that was just to see how passionate people got about it and how, in all honesty, how weird she was. I mean, yeah, of course, when you say that, there's like 12 other, I mean, it was a hundred episodes and probably 25 episodes of totally weird, you know? Halloween specials like the Simpsons. (laughs) <laughs> it's always the humans the humans yeah. are the weird
1: one <laughs> yeah the cats are just chilling watching watching the world burn around like,
0: you see what i have to live with yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah so jackson for obviously all the answers and stuff like that i want to thank you for that you're really honest really open so i can't thank you enough i will plug everything instagram pages, your website but if there, if there's anything of relevance or anything coming up in your world that people who are interested in your work should know about feel free to plug but if not i will link all your socials and website
0: thanks but, um, for doing that man. um i would you know if there's one thing it's uh adopt an animal don't go buy one we can't be making more animals when millions are dying uh support your local shelters uh, you know adopt foster donate do anything but they all need help uh all around the world and you know put some love on the feral cats in your life if you see one under your car if you see one in your neighborhood there's always groups locally who specialize in getting them trapped and neutered and they'll teach you a thing or two and uh and uh, and open up your world to something different so that's it man
1: well said well listen jackson thank you so much for coming on and listen i wish you best uh, all the best uh, in the years to come
0: Thank you. It was great. Thank you so much, man. Take care.